So by now, uh, uh, hopefully, unless you have completely fallen asleep, you'll have grasped that uh, this default position we're, we're thinking about this morning is disappointment. And, uh, and as I said, the antidote, I can't think of a better word, but uh, is hope. Now, as often is the case, um, that when we're disappointed, it's because that which we'd hoped for, it doesn't happen. You know, what we thought would happen next, it doesn't. And I can think in my own case, uh, back to when I was 11 years old, I, it wasn't that long, so it's easy for me to remember, but uh, what are you laughing at? But in those days, um, we would take the 11 plus. Do you remember that? Does anyone remember that? I know you remember it because you passed it. But um, what happened, uh, yeah, but that year um, that I took it and I was living in the Maidstone area, uh, I passed as well. I passed 11 plus, but sadly, so did lots of other people pass it. And uh, what they did was um, they decided they would interview uh, the children that had passed it. Um, and that's what happened. And, you know, I would have said it. It didn't really have much effect on me. I can remember that interview as if it was yesterday. I can remember the questions that I was asked. Uh, Anyway, I thought it went really well. And then we waited at home, of course, for the letter to come to say that, yeah, I was going to the grammar school. But it didn't say that. It said I hadn't been successful and I wasn't going to go to the grammar school. And I was really, really disappointed. And so was my mum and dad. And I think I was as disappointed for them as I was for myself. But nevertheless, uh, you know, you've got to get on with it. And my hopes, as you do at that age, they rose again. And when I was just going into the fifth year at the school that I went to, it was at that time when the teachers and the headmaster was deciding who would be a prefect and who would be the head boy. And I, modest chap that I am, as you know, I really thought I was going to be the head boy. That's what I thought was going to happen. But I wasn't. I was only a prefect. And the guy that uh, was head boy, his name was David, David Huggins. See, it had no effect on me. I can remember his name. Um, I met him, actually, three or four years ago. He'd been living in New Zealand, and we met up. And uh, uh, I hadn't seen him since we'd been at school. And so we met up, and we got chatting. It was as if I'd seen him last Friday. And I couldn't resist it. I had to say to him, you know when you was made head boy... <laughs> I was really upset and I was surprised. And he said, you were surprised. I couldn't believe that they did that. That was a great disappointment. But that made me feel a bit better that he was uh, also surprised. And then, uh, you know, in your teenage years when you're at school, you have these different crushes, uh, you know, on on different girls. And um, I remember one occasion, it worked the other way around. This particular girl had a crush on me. Her name was Pauline. And uh, I, I knew that because, of course, her friend told me. They never, you know, that's how it works. My friend thinks you're lovely and all that sort of thing. But I wasn't having any of it. Didn't want to know. Two or three years after I left school, I saw Pauline in the local town, which was Maidstone, with her boyfriend. She was gorgeous, I have to say. <laughs> what a disappointment that was to me. What a mistake. Oh, dear, disappointing. And then... Um, of course, then there are a number of jobs that I applied for, and I, you know, you get the letter, don't you? And you open it. I'm sorry, but on this occasion, you haven't been successful. It's disappointing. What about you? What hopes do you have that's turned into disappointments? What have you prayed about that's not happening? It could be a child or a grandchild. It could be some behaviour that you know 
you're sort of almost hooked into that you know you shouldn't be doing, but you just can't get out of it and it disappoints you. It could be relationships, it could be friends, you're, 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 maybe you're in a marriage where the relationship is not right, it's disappointing. Maybe your health is not what it could be. You wish it were better and you're disappointed. Or perhaps it's something at work. Yeah, it could be a manager, it could be colleagues, it could be anything. It's really, really disappointing. And your hope and your patience, they've all but disappeared. Your prayers, they seem to be falling on deaf ears. And you're asking yourself, what happens next? What happens next? What does the Bible say about this? Well, as always, it says quite a lot. And... um, What does God say? Well, he says, in effect, and this is, of course, a very short (laughs) summary here because there's only a few words, but he says, all will be well. All will be well. All will be well because God is at work in his kingdom, which started so small, didn't it? It started in a tiny way, in a little backwater country, which we now call Israel, Palestine. It started with a group, a bunch of people that, frankly, were not the brightest. It started in a very small well way. But it can't be stopped. It may have seemed sometimes that it's disappeared. It's not happening. We can't see it. Like the yeast in the bread or the mustard seed. And that's exactly why Jesus told those two parables to illustrate this fact. And we find them in uh, Matthew. It's in Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 to 33. And this is what he said. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all your seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants and becomes a tree so that the birds of the air come and perch in its branches. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into a large amount of flour until it worked all through the dough. Jesus tells these stories to people who suffer disappointments, like you, like me, especially spiritual disappointments. What he's saying is, in effect, that no matter how small the yeast or how big the the bread of the loaf is, once the yeast is in the dough, it's game over. It can't be stopped. The outcome is actually inevitable. It's just a matter of time. And if you look over there, you probably can't see them. But you see, even though Ruth put a tiny, tiny amount of yeast in, the bread is rising. It can't be stopped. It's a process that can't be stopped. Well done, Ruth. I I shouldn't have doubted you. What Jesus said to his listeners and what he says to you and me is, don't get confused by what's going on around you and in the world. Don't get misled. Don't get discouraged. Don't get disappointed. The kingdom of God has invaded this earth. Don't ever give up. The seed is in the ground. The yeast is in the dough. God's community will flourish. Get your hopes up, Jesus says. It's just a matter of time. You know, in the Bible, hope always wins. Always, always wins. Heroes Don't overcome because they're courageous. Sometimes they are, but that's not the reason. It's not bravado. It's not persistence. Sometimes there is persistence. Uh, It's not actually a belief in their own resources. 
It's different than that. Because underlying that, there is this great hope. Hope that someone far, far stronger than them is at work. And he is. He is. It's just a matter of time. Hope waits patiently. And that is the challenge. Well, it is if you're like me. Because I am not a patient person. It is a big challenge. But hope waits patiently. I know that many of us have been deeply, deeply disappointed. And maybe you still are. Things have not turned out as you wanted. And maybe they never will. They don't always turn out as the stories we've heard earlier on. They don't always do that. That's life. That's life. That's what happens sometimes. That's how it goes. Maybe you'd felt when you were younger that you were going to change the world. You were going to do something absolutely amazing. But so far, you haven't really had much impact. Maybe you dreamt of this fantastic marriage you know, where you, there was this great intimacy, this great love, and it was going to be fantastic, and it was going to be wonderful. But somehow, that just hasn't happened. Maybe you've dreamt of children, and you wanted children. And I know there are some people here, and, and there are grandparents here, and they're, they're just longing for children to come, but it's not happened. Or maybe you did have some children, and maybe that relationship is just not what you thought it would be, and you're disappointed. You're really disappointed. Or it could be to do with health. Health problems. Maybe you've got some health problems. It's not, you can't do the things you really wanted to. Or maybe someone you love has died. And you know my circumstances. And, you know, disappointed is hardly the word you'd use, but it's extreme disappointment. But, you know, what I would say to anyone in this situation, you have to get some perspective on it. You have to get this perspective. You have to give, get this hope that Jesus gives us that overcomes these disappointments. Get these things into perspective if you can. Not always easy, and I know that. But Jesus says to each one of us, he, uh, he understands. He understands about broken dreams. You know, I know we say it, but do we really understand what it means? He was crucified on the cross. He did nothing wrong. I mean, he, he was doing everything right. And his friends, he'd been with them for three years. He loved them. He thought they loved him. They denied they even knew him. They said, we don't know this man. He's nothing to do with us. And they ran away. Disappointing. Huge disappointment that Jesus had. And they laid his body in the tomb. But do you see what happened there? The seed was in the ground. The yeast was in the dough. The outcome then from then on was inevitable. It couldn't be stopped. It was just a matter of time. And we know what happened next, don't we? We all know what happens next because Jesus comes back. He comes back. And that huge, that deep disappointment that would have been around at that time turns into the greatest hope we've got and will ever have. And that's the perspective we have to keep. You know, when we're really feeling sometimes as we do that it's so disappointing, try to get this perspective, this bigger perspective. Jesus gives us that hope and he, gets us, he enables us to put these disappointments into that perspective. And Jesus actually says to each one of us, in effect, come on, get your hopes up, all will be well. 
all will be well. It's just a matter of time. In a moment, I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray about this. But then when I do that, I want you to think about your own disappointments that maybe you've had in the past or you have right now. I want you to think about that and to pray quietly and silently about it. And then what we're going to do is we're going to come forward and hopefully everyone's got one of these little, uh, what do we call these, tiles. One of these little tiles. I want you to come forward and if you've got more than one disappointment, there's lots of tiles in boxes on either side of me. But just want you to come forward, take your small tile and stick it to one of these boards that we've got on either side of us. The tiles will make the shape of a cross. It's in fact our logo and you'll see that when you come up. Now there's nothing weird about this or spectacular or anything like that. This is symbolic that we want to do this as a church family because we recognise that we have our own disappointments and those around us that we love have disappointments and we want to come together and put them at the cross because that's where our hope is. That's where our hope is. We want to demonstrate that no matter what's going on in our life, has been in the past, is now, and might do in the future, no matter what our disappointments are, our hope is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Let's pray.